Welcome to The Road to Rural Prosperity, featuring stories about rural Oklahoma and rural America. Guiding us on the journey today is our host, Ron Hayes. Welcome to another Road to Rural Prosperity. Ron Hayes with you today, and I tell you what, we've got a great guest that we wanted to share some information with you about soil health and regenerative agriculture, Jimmy Emmons, longtime resident from Leedy, Oklahoma, his family farm operation, along with his wife, Ginger, is out in Dewey County. He's been involved in farming and ranching with Ginger since 1980. He's uh, been uh, you know, actually working on some of the soil health principles that he's now so famous for all across the country since 2011. About 12, 13 years that he's been involved in these uh, technologies, this effort to uh, improve the soil health of his uh, property, improve the uh, carbon matter of the uh, property as well. And uh, we talk about all that today with Jimmy Emmons from Dewey County here in just a few moments. We're back right after these messages. Your hometown isn't just where you're from. It's the stuff you're made of. The 3 a.m. alarm clock, warming the truck up before sunup, lifting that last bale when your legs can barely lift you. Paycom salutes that hometown spirit. And they empower local businesses in Oklahoma. Paycom's mobile app lets you do HR and payroll on the go. It handles the things that matter to your business so you can invest more in the things that matter to you. Learn more at Paycom.com. We're talking today with Jimmy Emmons, of course, with the Oklahoma Conservation Commission and uh, No-Till Guru. Uh, gets uh, around the country and speaks to a lot of folks about uh, some of the uh, soil practices, soil health type practices that are so valuable to uh, to producers that are able to adopt them. And Jimmy, uh, in in your location and really across a good bit of the state of Oklahoma, we've really had to live with drought for an extended period of time. When you look at those drought monitor numbers, a lot of them show that we've uh, effectively had some level of drought for much of calendar year 2022 as it comes to a close yeah ron it's it's been a full year of of drought all over oklahoma areas uh have been worse than others but mostly uh, we've been in a some form of drought the complete year uh, and that's affected a lot of different situations it's affected the grass and the forage opportunities summer crops uh, winter planting wheat was way behind this year due to drought uh, so a lot of winter forage has been uh, uh, really not at the level we need so it really shows the the long-term effect of that drought even though uh, we went in and out of different designations with light showers across the country here. Uh, we're still in this drought, and, and it's not over yet. We've, we've got a little reprieve here, but uh, producers don't need to get overconfident that we're completely out of it. In your operation, what? How, how many years have you actually used some of these soil health type principles, uh, no-till, low-till, minimum minimum uh, tillage type type practices to try to build up your your soil content? Well, the funny part about that is, Ron, I started uh, right in the middle of the 2010, 11, and 12 drought. Uh, so I've been in it 12 uh, years now, going on 13. Uh, and so we've really been able to see some of them benefits 
uh, along uh, that we've improved that soil structure and the aggregation. Our water holding capacity and carbon levels are a lot higher so that we do have the ability to take a lot more of them big rain events come in. And that's the thing about uh, the weather pattern that we're in. The climatologists are really talking about whiplash weather. It's it's all or none. It's just one extreme to the other. So when you have them practices in place and you do a good job managing your forage, grazing, grasslands, as well as, as the farm ground, when we have them big events, we can capture that, and it'll make the drought seem lessened uh, because you have more water to work with as you go into it. And then, once again, during these droughts and at the end of these droughts, we will see big swings of heavy moisture come in, and so we won't be able to refill that profile and take advantage of it. The the ability to retain that moisture, is that, that rainfall as it falls, that it seems like all the conversations, all the discussions I've I've had, that happens to be one of the top benefits of the things that you're trying to do in trying to rebuild that, that soil profile. Yeah, and, and what the average producer across the country, uh, it's it's so hard to see because we. We took it away very slowly. Uh, I was just in Canada with Dr. Chris Nichols is doing extensive carbon measurement in the, uh, the areas in uh, Alberta, Canada. Most of the prairie region from here to the north was somewhere between 7 and 14% soil organic matter originally. Uh, most of our uh, country here in Oklahoma is less than 1%. There's some, too, uh, and a little three around, but not uh, near where we were. Every 1% of soil organic matter holds, give or take, around 20,000 gallons of water, depending on your soil. Uh, so if you really factor that in and say we were at 7% uh, originally here, and uh, now we're less than one or one and a half. Uh, look at the the ability that we've taken that soil away that for it to hold that water, to infiltrate that water. And so we see a lot of ponding terraces uh, full of water. Even as I flew in on Sunday afternoon, we saw terraces from the, the aerial view coming in full of water. Well, producers have that that mindset well we got a good rain i got two inches here we're, we're good but if you have that ponding effect you you're not getting that full two inches you're probably getting a half to maybe an inch of that so that really affects the drought and and its ability so the more that we can do in land practices with soil health no-till minimum tillage grazing management uh, we can start seeing that soil rebound start putting that carbon back in the ground the natural filter for the water system uh, things will get better it's almost uh hard to even imagine what a piece of property or a piece you know a a a field uh mm-hmm. an entire farm that had six seven percent carbon in there so what it would look like yeah it's it's a mind-changing uh visual that you just can't imagine uh we've changed our soil 
uh, on the farm from a few tenths of percent uh, to a lot of threes. Uh, and, and, you know, originally soil scientists uh, said we couldn't do that as quickly. But once you really get a full system in place and, and really manage that, you can do a lot in three to five years. Now, 10, 12 years down the road here now, I'm at about 8 to 12 inches an hour of water infiltration. Uh, in 2010, we measured that at a half inch an hour. So if you really think about that, what if we could do that all over the state of Oklahoma here uh, when we got them big rainfall events, how we could store that water up, refill these aquifers, refill these ponds with clean water uh, instead of silt and, and chemicals and fertilizer. That's the thing that we really got to work on and understand how that, that system's approach really works. I guess what uh, on the western side of Oklahoma and into the Texas Panhandle, well, much of western Kansas, the Ogallala is, of course, that uh, that aquifer that we hear so much about. And it has a very tiny amount of water that you can actually recharge it with on an annual basis. Uh, with a with a 7 or 8 uh, percent soil carbon, is, is it possible that we could more quickly refill, refill something like the Ogallala? Sure, it, it is. And we see that in spots uh, in Texas. I was at a, a big ranch down there. And, and you got to remember the prairie potholes were actually water infiltration points of the aquifer. And what we've done is in dry periods, we started farming them and sealing them off, essentially taking that organic matter away. Uh, uh, and so we have really shut that lid off uh, for that ability for that aquifer to refill. Um, there are certain areas in Nebraska that's went into a good system. There, oh, there the Ogallala is actually improving and filling. Um, so we a lot of things that we've done so slowly – that we didn't realize what we were doing. And I think that's very important to producers to understand that it's not that we just done this overnight. It's took 130 years to do that. And so and we had this discussion in Canada up there. They're having the same issues, uh, potholes being destroyed and taken away. Now they have a lot of salt and saline issues. Uh, and and that's the, the things that really change the local environment and you take that ability of this local dew humidity the small water cycle away so that when we do have energy come through we don't get the rainfall that we should jimmy you know you you talk to a lot of folks uh, folks that are all, all the way from from folks that have done it maybe two or three times the number of years that you've done it to folks that are just brand new and they're they're saying gosh you know i've I've got to try something. I've got to do something. Something's better than what I'm doing now. How, you know, for that, that end of the spectrum, how do, you, how do we bring folks that are really newbies to all of this uh, to, to how they can, you know, hopefully see some success in a reasonable amount of time? Yeah, it's it's very important that we start, as you would say, the newbies out with baby steps. It's just understanding where their infiltration is right now, where their aggregation is right now. Uh, and we do that with the Conservation Commission here is when we go out and we do a, a local assessment with that producer in the field right there to show them where they're at. And then we can move over to the fence line uh, where it's undisturbed do another water infiltration test and quickly see maybe four, six, eight inches different per hour in just the management 
of that system uh, from the fence line. That's a real eye-opener. Uh, and then you talk about range management, moving cattle around. Uh, you know, we don't expect a new producer to set up 20, 30 paddocks and start moving cattle daily or twice a day. We just want them to start moving them once or twice, uh, you know, in a month or two, just to understand that that gradual step. And then once you start seeing them benefits, uh, then you want more. And, you, and it's like a good education. The more you learn, the more easily you learn, and the more you want to learn. And so I think that's the process and what we try to do at the commission here and I try to do when we're in the field. Is, is not try to take a kindergartner and do calculus or uh, an advanced uh, college class. We just got to understand the simple basics of what minimal steps we can take in the beginning to really start to understand him because it is a complex system of microbiology below ground. You know, Chris Nichols talked the other day that when she started uh, down her path uh, several years ago, uh, scientists thought then we knew about 20% of the microbiome. Now they claim we may know 1% to 2%. Uh, the deeper we looked, the more there was. So it's that ability to go out and just take baby steps, uh, start looking, take a shovel, looking in the soil, taking some tests where we can show how low the soil organic matter is and where it should have been and, and how we can improve that. Jimmy, you uh, obviously uh, have had opportunity to have some real-life experience in working with cattle, moving them around successfully. One of the concepts that's so important that I'm sure that you talk with folks a lot about is this concept of resting that particular pasture, that particular paddock, if you want to call it that. In other words, giving it an opportunity to recover. Yeah, it's it's amazing the uh, the way that the prairie system originally worked was, you know, we had 100 million buffalo bison traveling across this deer, elk, lots of different uh, species of animals grazing. Uh, and they would come through and move on and give it a long rest period. That's kind of what we want to do. Rest period is very, very important for multiple things. First of all, when you bite off grass or forage, the roots recede uh, with the top growth. So you have less uh, roots to be working in the ground for you. You also have less canopy to be absorbing sunlight and photosynthesis. So as you eat that off, you want to give that time to, to uh, rebound and regrow. The other thing that you really got to be uh, very noticeable about is Animals are just like us. If we sat down today and had a multiple smorgasbord of of, of good, nutritious beef or, or meats, uh, potatoes, vegetables, and then we had ice cream and pie and all that, we tend to select what we really want. And if I don't like cranberries or I don't like green beans, you know, I tend to leave them. If you're in that competitive uh, grazing mode and and you know that you're only going to be in this paddock a day, two, three, you're more competitive and you graze harder. So what I'm trying to say is if you have a set stock rate, cows tend to eat the grass that they prefer, which makes it less and the weeds and the forbs and stuff that they really don't like 
when they have an option to graze the best, thrive. And so you start changing that environment of the grazing uh, from a very diverse system to down to a very minimal system. And so your performance starts going down. And as I said earlier, it's that slow, gradual takeaway that sometimes we don't see. And you really got to watch that. So how, how do you solve that? I mean, obviously, y'all can tell the uh, the cow you can't eat, you know, this particular uh, this particular type of grass or this uh, you know this this legume, you know legume or whatever it may be. How do you how do you fix that? How do you how do you keep the balance? Well, it's kind of like uh, going to a conference and you have this big buffet there, uh, but. The, before you get in line, they say, well, we only have so much today for, uh, say, 100 people, but there's 150 registered here today, so you're going to have to take less. And, and people uh, then would graze better on the buffet. The same thing with animals. You, you start training them, and they know when you show up it's time to move and they're ready to go but they're also more competitive uh when they get in there and they'll eat everything because they don't want you getting it uh and so that that's how that whole training process but it's also the producer that's got to understand that as well and and see them benefits and uh we got great producers uh across Oklahoma here's doing uh, wonderful things that have really changed their uh, total prairie system out by the amazing the grazing management when we uh think about 2023 we uh still don't know where we're going to be on on drought we we could obviously end this thing quickly uh if if uh we decided you know the, the weather systems lined up the right way but in all likelihood with the la nina still out there it's not going to be all that great for at least a while how do you how do you make sure that we get to that other side where there are abundant rains and uh, we have maybe the opportunity of, of capturing a lot of uh, moisture for the soil profile? Well, first of all, don't be overconfident we're out of this yet. We're still in drought here. We're going to be in drought for a while. Remember, in the 30s, uh, everybody wants to talk about the Dust Bowl. Actually, in Oklahoma, we had more water erosion uh, than we did wind erosion. So there is big water events that happen during a drought, but you're still in a drought. So manage your forage. Uh, be be very cognizant of how uh, stocked you are. Uh, on our ranch, we've sold off 130 cows this year early. We've, we're now buying back about half of them, uh, being uh, cautious not to buy back the full amount yet because uh, we're not out of this yet. So it's it's plan moving forward to be dry, and if that cycle changes uh, and we get into a wet period, uh, then that long rest period that we're just talking about, take advantage of that, regrow that grass uh, and them roots to, to build that resilience in there. So just don't get carried away uh, thinking we're out. And if you have that, uh, give that uh, that pasture that that right amount of rest. That gives what well, I get. I would think the opportunity to maybe up that percentage of carbon just just a little bit. Yeah, every day is just a little bit. You got to have that photosynthesis down. You got to have them roots growing in the ground. So when that plant takes that photosynthesis in puts them sugars in, they leak them out into the soil through the roots, which gives the biology something to feed on for more roots to grow. And so it's it's a really 
a, a cycling process that takes a while, and that's the reason that rest period is so, so important. Thank you, Jimmy. Jimmy Emmons out of Dewey County talking soil health. His, uh, his trademark phrase, long live the soil. That's all of our time. We'll see you soon down the road on the road to rural prosperity.